0: hello and welcome to the stoked
1: on spokes podcast the stoked on Spokes podcast the stoked on spokes podcast the stoked on spokes podcast. podcast wait like sos well it's about fight ride, gear, races community and so much more this is the stoked on spokes podcast let's get rolling Hello and welcome to the 49th episode of the Stoked On Spokes podcast. Today I'm joined by members of the CAF Foundation and the Cycling Club, Chris Imhoff, Christy Boltz, and Don Noble. But how are you all doing today? We're great. We're awesome. Anyone who doesn't know you, could you please introduce yourself and give me your bicycle background?
2: I'm going to let Christy go first. She's much more interesting than Don
1: or I.
0: I don't think that's true, but ladies first is appropriate. I'm Christy Boltz. I am a 45-year-old marketing consultant that comes to Columbus, Ohio via the West Coast. People always say, you moved the wrong direction. But I met my husband when I lived in the West Coast and moved to Ohio to be with him. I started cycling like everybody else here when I was a kid. And I always tell people that my dad taught me to ride a bike twice. Once when I was younger, you know, pushing behind us like we've done. And then once as an adult, he had triple bypass surgery when he was 44. So I was a freshman in college and came home. And the doctor, I think, was trying to kind of scare him straight and scare him into health and said, you know, this bypass is probably only good for about 10 years and you need to get healthy. So my father got down his old Raleigh from college, you know, that he used to ride around in jean shorts. And once he could exercise, he got into cycling. And, you know, this, of course, is before Strava and before all of this and, and when Lance was really big. So he he got into cycling. I did my first century with my dad. My mom was runner and a swimmer, just kind of recreationally. So I ventured into triathlon did all kinds of those. Um, I loved the bike the most for all kinds of reasons. In San Francisco, I was at the Nike Women's Marathon with my mom and my sisters. We were planning to have a great weekend together. The previous fall, as somebody who had competed in triathlon, I had watched the Ironman on NBC. And I had seen a girl who was missing a leg competing. And most of you who listen to this will know that in the Ironman, there's a cutoff time. You have to be out of the water by a certain time. You have to be off the bike by a certain time. This girl's just pedaling her heart out after turning around at the energy lab. And she comes into T2 and she's missed the cutoff and she's you know devastated. And her name is Sarah Reinerston. And she had a kit on that said C-A-F. I remembered that. And in San Francisco that year when we were running the marathon, she ran by us like we were standing still. And I went home and Googled that CAF thing. And having been a cyclist and a, a triathlete and somebody who feels like activity is a huge part of my life, I learned about the organization and that they had a charity bike ride from San Francisco to San Diego. All of us as cyclists have different goals. We have different bucket list things. Hey, I want to do that before I die. Um, And so I signed up for that ride thinking it was a bucket list event. I was going to ride from San Francisco to San Diego, 620 miles in a week. I was going to kind of check that off. Prior to that, my longest single day was 206 in a race called Lodija, which is from Logan, Utah to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It's a spectacular race. And I signed up for that and it changed my life. So cycling for me now is all about this concept of pedaling it forward. What can I do so that someone else can have an opportunity to be active and to enjoy the benefits of not only the physical component, but the camaraderie that comes with something like we have here with the cycling club and just being out with a friend like I was this morning on the bike. And to think that, you know, because someone has a disability or an injury later in life that they would miss out on that opportunity just doesn't seem fair. So I got involved in, in CAF, and it, it really has changed my life. Well,
2: Christy, always a tough act to follow.
0: <laughs> no. Um,
2: and and here's, here's the opposite. I'm from here. So I was born in Columbus. I was actually born in downtown Mount Carmel, the old the old Mount Carmel downtown. Grew up here and I've been riding bikes my whole life, like like Christy said. I remember uh, tagging around after my brothers. They were all older than I was and they were all serious road cyclists and, and doing all kinds of rides. This was early 80s. I was just tagging after them all the time and Getting a lot of hand-me-down bikes from them. Actually, I bought my first, like my first real road bike. I think it was '86 with money I'd saved up from a uh, summer job. It was a Fuji Palisade. Yeah, dating myself, it was a steel beast. Where, where and, is that bike
0: uh, now, Chris? Where Where is the Fuji well, Palisade now?
2: It It actually got stolen from the back of uh, a bike shop. Uh, so that's that's a whole other story. But, uh, you know, I actually, it's funny because I'll, I'll Google Google Fuji Palisade every once in a while because I think maybe I want to, you know, see if I can find a classic bike and do the resto on it. So, the resto on it. So, that, that's, that's actually, that's a long time gone. I rode that bike through high school with a lot of friends. Actually, also... Kind of a big impression on me back then was uh, one of the teachers that I, I, I had when I was in school was a Bob Lennon, uh, who actually passed away in 2013. He was uh, hit by a car while riding his bike on Miller Paul Road. So that, that was a, that was, he was a big impression on me when, I, when, I, when it comes to cycling, too. I signed up for my first tour of the Sierra River Valley in 87, actually, but I didn't do it because I got really sick with the flu. <laughs> so I was really, really upset about that riding all the way through high school and college and, and, and whatnot. But then eventually I got a job that uh, took me on the road. So I was actually traveling 20, 2005 to 2013, like almost every week. It's hard to get on the miles when you're, when you're on an airplane and, you know, in hotels and whatnot. But 2013, I got a, a, a local job again and started racking up some miles. And that Christy and I were, were texting earlier today about Strava. Uh, I actually, because of this uh, prepping for this podcast, I actually went back and started looking at my history on Strava. 2013 was my first ride on Strava. I don't know if that was an actual Strava ride or a map my ride ride that I ported over to Strava at some point, but that was my first recorded, technical, technically recorded ride. Up to that point, it was a notebook and a pen and an old cat eye computer. That's. Good stuff right there. It's just been a lot of years of of eventually getting more and more miles and more and more time on the bike. And I was actually at that time I was riding mostly either solo or with one or two friends. And I did fun things like the the fall challenge, the old the old fall challenge uh, down to Marietta and back, and and serve and those kinds of rides. But in 2016, I had an injury, a soccer injury that put me in the hospital, I ended up with uh, five pulmonary embolisms. So if anybody out there knows what that is, it's pretty serious. Usually you don't come back from those. So I was in the hospital for four days and then on blood thinners for six months while everything cleared out. And my doctor said, you can't ride your bike alone because if you wreck while you're on blood thinners, you could have a serious problem so she said hey why don't you start riding I know a guy and so she actually told me about um, a fellow named Mike Perry from Team COPC from Pelotonia another big figure in, in local cycling here and I started riding with them for a while and it was always good to ride with doctors which I think is a tradition we keep going because we have doctors in the cycling club too and and actually through the course of riding with those folks and riding in uh, out, of, out of Albany I got involved with in the cycling club and actually this is also why I looked at Strava my first Right. I I, I was double checking my memory banks. The first ride I went on with Don was I wrote it down September 18th, 2016. And you dropped me (laughs) because I remember it was a kind of a chilly day. There was a big, big headwind and we were coming back in maybe Beaver or something. And I remember I got, but I could, and that was, I was still recovering from the PEs, which you know, I remember I was, that was day recovering. And I'm like, you guys go on ahead without me. And they're like, okay. And they were gone. It was hilarious. And then my first ride that I could find on Strava with Christy was actually two weeks later. And we did, our version of the fall challenge. We went down to Chestnut Hills, Chestnut Ridge, and rode down uh, around um, Lancaster in that area. So it was Don and Christy and several other folks, and we had a really good time that day and made a really big impression on me and also on my Strava because I was just paging through the the, the weeks after that and it was like riding with Don, riding with Christy, riding with Don, riding with Christy. It was really funny. So and and uh, it was just a lot of good a lot of good riding. And my first official ride with the cycling club was April 4th, uh, 2017, which was, I think, the very first ride of the season for that year. And we did that. We had a good ride there. And so that's and that's how I got involved in the cycling club. (laughs) And and I think Don just sort of somehow wrangled me into helping out with leading the cycling club, too. So there's a small committee of us and it's Don and myself. And so we got Gus uh, and we got Gus Cook and Rick Miller. It's what's Fritz's last name. I'm drawing a blank on it. Hofer. That's right. So there's a small group of us that that get together and and, and manage the affairs. And and I think Christy is now kind of uh, getting finagled into that, too, because she she did some stuff on the website I saw recently. So that was kind of fun.
0: (laughs) I stepped in in a a time of need. I'm the CTO. I'm the chief treats officer. That's what I'm in charge of.
2: It's really important to know, Alan, at this point that every cycling club ride uh, that Christy attends ends with a fantastic treat. And it's not just one – like she opens the back of the the SUV, displays several boxes of options. And the thing about this, Alan, that's really incredible, she does it all herself, homemade. And usually by getting up at like 5 in the morning or something to do stuff or, or even the night before to do stuff for the club. And it's amazing. Amazing. So, if you go to her Instagram, it's usually
3: those treats.
1: <laughs> so I'm riding with the wrong people. Good to know.
2: Uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> I come. Can... Tend to cycling in a different way. I, I grew up in the northern panhandle of West Virginia. So if everybody has any geography uh, knowledge whatsoever, there's a little sliver of West Virginia between the state of Ohio and the state of Pennsylvania along the Ohio River. I grew up in a little town there. So like many people, I mean, I, you know, I went through I, my my first, my first real bike, my first new bike. And this will uh, resonate with some folks listening was a huffy thunder road and it was uh it was a really big deal I'm, i, I can i come from a, a large family and i was the youngest and i was really one of the first children who, who got actually a new bike and it was it was very special to me i still uh i still cherish that memory after that i had a couple of hand-me-down bikes and, and and whatnot however my first bike that had a traditional road handlebar was called a, it was, it was made by Schwinn. It was called a Sierra. I bought it at a local bike shop uh, along the Ohio river on the Ohio side in a little town called Air, Ohio. And I was, I was kind of, it was kind of unusual because folks there didn't spend a lot of time riding a bicycle. And I was one of those, and I just realized this not long ago. I was, I was one of those, one of the young people who would actually you know, ride to the pool instead of their parents taking them and things of that nature. And then before you know it, I live, you know, from from the little town where I grew up, it was very, you know, rural roads were very close. However, rural roads from there are very, also very hilly. My brother, my older brother and I would would take adventures and we'd, you know, we would do little 16, 17 mile round trips. But we, but my recollection of that uh, now is that, they were, they were, there was elevation gain for sure, and riding in blue jeans as as, as a seventh grader on your Schwinn uh, in West Virginia, it's it's uh, it was it was quite challenging for us. However, that that's that's where it ended. I was a I was a high school athlete, played a couple of different sports in high school, and and was was fortunate enough to extend that for a while. Up, 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 and then after I was in up co- after college, and everything, I I, w- I played high school golf, and and I had a little bit of a running and an injury. I had some tendonitis in a knee, and I started spinning at, at the gym in those uh, in those spinning classes, which uh, I really enjoyed. I took a fifteen-year-old uh, Trek Rigid mountain bike that I had have owned since I was in my twenties, and I I went for a ride on the on on a road that we ride. On a regular basis in the cycling club and i was in a t-shirt and a ball cap backwards and and no helmet and all those things it was a hot july morning i rode out to something called route 310 and back which was about a 19 mile loop that that i uh that i was riding that day and i turned around and i saw six or seven guys on road bikes behind me and I, I'm, I'm, I'm pedaling as hard as I can uh, on this trek, and, uh, and, and those guys passed me. I feel, I feel like my recollection of the story is I turned the pedals over five or six times, and uh, then they blew by me like I was standing still. And, and at that point, I was like, I need, that looks like fun, and I need to figure out what's going on there. Story goes, as the story goes, I, I borrowed a bike, an old Cannondale. I think it was a Cad Three Seiko edition. Uh, that a neighbor of mine owned, and I, I rode it for a couple of weeks, and I was hooked. Then went finally bought another used bike, uh, bought a, or bought a used bike, and then bought bought my first big boy carbon framed bike, and and started riding with a, a small group of five or six folks, guys who I'm still friends with today, that I still have an emotional bond to. I don't ride with those guys a heck of a lot any longer because our what what we want to get out of cycling has changed a little bit. We'll just say that, and uh, and I and, and I love those guys dearly. We would ride on every weekend and sometimes a, a day during the week. And then, so I don't know how I don't remember how it all happened, but I got I opened up a ride with GPS account and I started fiddling around with that. And I, I actually started just Facebooking stuff um, to the New Albany com- community that way that I live in that, hey, we're going to do this on a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning or whatever. And we're going to do this is kind of the plan and everybody's welcome. That's actually where I met Christy Boltz her name was her name was Christy Nation at the time and I didn't uh and she sent me a text I, I I I was I was careless enough to put my cell phone number on a on a Facebook post in case anybody had questions uh and oh my gosh about, that's that's
0: yeah, awful <laughs> yeah this is about
3: 2013 or 2014 and she's like oh hi um my name's Christy I'd like to you care if I come ride with you guys and my my first my first inclination was that Yes, you can come, but I really don't want a girl to come ride with us. And that and that's a that's a that's a humiliating thing to say considering the relationship I, I have with her now. But she showed up that day and she, and just anyone who knows her is committed to the fact that she is a, a ray of sunshine and, and and she and she had most of us at hello and her 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 energy and her positive her positive tone set 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 the stage for the day and we had a great day and it was six or seven guys and and she and we, we all became acquainted that day and it was it was it was great that that's that was the that was the beginning of a a friendship that uh I cherish and uh and for sure is changed my life in a lot of ways and we'll get into that maybe a little bit more later <clears throat> however and so that was what about 2014 and and I do remember the first day I met Chris Imhoff. And the thing I remember about Chris, um, the first time I ever met him, was his, was his enthusiasm for the sport. And there's something to be said for that, because on, when you need a, when you need someone to go out when it's 32 degrees outside and spitting snow on a gravel bike for three hours, three or four hours, um, that he's the first guy who shows up. I can think of a couple others who have been that way, but uh, absolutely that is a credit to Chris and and I remember the first time we rode together I did drop him he was struggling but uh and not knowing not knowing at the time what what you know what great friends we would become and also not knowing how determined he was to get back in shape. Uh, sure. it was, it, I said for you to drop me. I, you didn't do, I said for go, you to go ahead and do it. So. It was uh, a day that he was just trying to get back in shape and he was trying to get his legs. He hadn't been on the bike much that day in his defense. And that, was, that was also a great day. All that Strava stuff because of Chris's presence and, and knowing that he's reliable and can be counted on. And that's why he was recruited at the time.
1: Well, how has your friendship grown over the years since you first met?
2: I'm gonna jump in with an example. So this summer I've had some some medical issues uh, that have kept me off the bike here and there. And there've been a few folks that have been checking in on me on a regular basis, even if I don't show up for rides. Um, and the two main ones are you know, right here. I cherish that particular aspect of our friendship more than anything else, and more than the bike, more than the treats, although that's a really big one right there. But the fact that we care about each other off the bike, and we care about not just our physical health, but mental health, because I Chris in particular. So how how are you feeling today (laughs) and checking in on that to make sure that I'm actually going to get through that day or get through that week so that I can get back to the group really means a lot to me. That to me is more than just um, okay the first time that we met we had a really good bike ride or uh, that was a really good story or whatever that to me is the essence of my friendship with these two folks right here um, also the fact that we can go out and have really cool adventures or like i can uh i can come up with a route occasionally that'll that'll make chrissy cuss that she came along on that ride like my birthday that one time um i, I managed to put together a route to every one of the big hills in the area and yeah um don's the real route maker in the group that i'm he's the real guy. Uh, our, our route last week was phenomenal. What would we, we started in Granville and went down and around, uh, uh Mount Perry and back Mutual in a place was, called Mount Perry. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful day. But yeah, the, the fact that these, these folks will, will check on me and make sure that I'm still sane when I'm dealing with all this other stuff, that to me makes all the difference.
0: You know, I was thinking, um, when you guys were talking about your first bikes, I remember, you know, you had that Cannondale Seiko. When I got into triathlon, I borrowed a bike from my dentist. Uh, my dentist had done the Ironman, you know, when I was a kid, when you could just show up and do the Ironman. Mm-hmm. And I I did that first sprint try on a borrowed bike and the seat post just dropped. So Chris, you know, this whole idea of riding out of the saddle for the whole time, that happened. Um, and when I, when I fell in love with it, I thought, okay, well, I need to go buy a bike. Well, I was in school at the time, okay? I took my student loan, and for everyone in the government that's listening to this, I went to the bike shop and bought a bike with my student loan. I still have the receipt from that. Uh, It was not forgiven by the government. I did pay that off, but that's that's how I bought my first bike. And my dad, who got me into it, rides alone all the time, okay? He is a lone ranger. And uh, I get that. That works for him. Um, but the people are just as important as the miles. Um, we had a guy who joined the cycling club this summer who was up from Miami and originally from Venezuela. And he he kind of mentioned to us in passing last week, he said, in all my years of riding, and this guy's in his early 60s and you know he's ridden all over the place, I have never found a group like this. You know, it's really, really special. And it is. And it's special because of Chris and Don. And it's special because of every person that chooses to show up. Chris can always be counted on. Don is absolutely right. Like, if it's raining, if it's snowing, if it's like it's cold or somebody has a mechanical, like, Chris is the first to respond to that. And leadership comes in different forms. Um, And servant leadership is one of those things. I think it it's funny because until today Don I don't think you ever told me that you didn't want a girl to to come out and ride. You know, I had moved from Salt Lake City, which the first time we took Don to Salt Lake City, he was like, I can't believe there's this many fit women in in the country. They're all living in this area. You know, I moved to Ohio and I showed up for a ride and I was like, where are all the women? You know, this is a sausage fest and <laughs> I had a tremendous group of female friends and and now to think back you know i spent probably the first year that we rode together going oh i wish i was with my girlfriends you know wishing for and now it's just it's something i treasure more than anything you know to look forward to tuesdays and thursdays and saturdays and to be able to have have spent so many miles with chris and even more with don and to develop that friendship that goes um, beyond the bike, I, I I don't know, Alan, if you have discovered that, you know, when you're out on a bike kind of suffering together, people share all kinds of experiences. You know, suffering together brings uh, joy in a way. And it also provides you an opportunity for people to really stop pretending, you know, they're kind of their authentic self. And the authentic version of, of Don and Chris is something I want to be around.
3: Uh, my friend, My friendship with Christy is is one that accelerated quickly for a lot of different reasons because we had i mean we had some i mean we had some similar interests and in the fact that i i i I love the enthusiasm and all those things however we've been through some stuff together um on and off the bike since then that she she's going to be my friend and for the rest of my life um, for sure, uh, her husband, her husband is um, one of the highest quality people I've ever met, and who's who's never been anything but kind to me, and my family. There, there's too many. There's honestly, this format doesn't allow for the stories for me to, to articulate all all the things that I've I've seen and experienced with she and she and her family who have who have accepted me as one of their own. Um, and I'm talking about her her family outside of her marriage, her her, her California family. Who live all over the place now, but uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot going on there. I mean, we've we've um, we've had some. Uh, she was the first person who I did a, an event in Western Maryland called the Garrett County Grand Fonda, which is this which is this meat grinder of an event that certainly will ex, will expose. G- expose you if you have no character or willing to willingness to suffer. It's it um it's one of the, the 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 most difficult things I've ever done physically in my life, let alone on a bicycle. Probably the most difficult thing I've done on a bicycle. So we you know we did that together and that, that's that's one example of that. In holidays, traveling together, uh the Challenge Athlete Foundation would be something that that has augmented our um our relationship as as friends. And we haven't really dove into that yet which i think is is appropriate will be appropriate and so um yeah so yeah we're she, she's 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 arguably my best friend and that is as sincere as i can be about the matter so there's a lot there's a lot to be said for that uh christopher on the, christopher on the other hand i haven't known him as long i don't spend as much time with chris except i think i i was very direct when i said i'll I'll put it to you this way I i chris i call him a foxhole guy He's a foxhole friend. If I'm telling you, if you are in a ditch, he's helping you through it. And if you want to go do something really difficult, he um, he's your guy.
2: Yeah, I did it, Garrett County twice with him.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, That's a brutal day. Um, but so so my, my relationship is a little different in that regard. Uh, I don't talk to Chris every single day. I spend a, a and a, I spend. An enormous amount of time with the man and and he's a good dude and he has got a lot of um a lot of the right things going on and i and i love that about him
2: well all i want to do is add a a little uh bit of a footnote on the garrett county for for the listeners if you don't know what it is, it's a 126 miles, 16,000 feet. Last year, or this year when we did it, I finished with 130 miles and 17,000 feet because I, I rode from the hotel. And I of did, I did most did. of it standing of up. I did most of it standing up because of my medical issues. So I, was, I had a day. And that is, that is anybody's, arguably that's anybody's day if you go do that thing. It
1: is, it is a good, good day. What is the Challenge Athlete Foundation? I know Christy loosely mentioned it in her introduction,
2: speaking of the kits, this was the this was how I got introduced to it. I started riding with the group. And I started noticing everybody wearing these CAF kits uh, through uh, you know as I got more and more involved with the different rides. and everybody had the had that same sort of connection that same sort of story that that inspirational connection to the kit yes but also to the foundation and it and it grew from Christie's um uh efforts in trying to educate and and just inform everybody about that and uh i'm i'm i'm, I'm proud to say that i have several kits now too <laughs> don's got the logo wear wow. on the hat
0: too Wear yeah. the logo yeah um, I'm wearing this shirt. We can't really see it. It says there's an athlete in all of us. And it's got the CAF logo. CAF started in 1994. There was an, a gentleman named Jim McLaren, and he was an exceptional athlete. He ended up losing his leg and really was a a pioneer as, as somebody as an amputee. You know, he was trying to do triathlons. And this is the early 90s. I mean, this just did not happen. And unfortunately, after having lost his leg in a motorcycle accident, becoming an amputee, he's out training and racing, and he gets hit by a car and becomes a quadriplegic. And his friends, much like I know these friends of mine, would get together and they were trying to somehow figure out a way to get him a van so he could get around and keep going to these kinds of things. And so the organization grew from a couple of friends trying to help a buddy and that was in 1994 and so the mission of the challenge athletes foundation is to provide opportunities and support to people with physical challenges so they can pursue an active lifestyle adaptive sports equipment is expensive it is not covered by insurance the i mean we're, uh, those of you who are, are watching this, uh, you know, and see behind Chris, he's got tens of thousands of dollars in cycling equipment hanging behind him. But if your son or daughter is born with a limb deficiency and you want them to be able to play soccer, they need a different kind of leg. You just can't take your walking leg out to the soccer field. You can't take your walking leg and attach it to a bicycle. And Kids need new legs as often as they need new shoes. Adults who are impacted by injury or tragedy or a disability later in life. Wounded Warriors, the AF has an arm called Project Rebound that helped support many guys who came back from Iraq and Afghanistan with disabilities, from traumatic brain injuries to blindness to the loss of limbs and then the loss of more limbs. Physical activity. At any level, whether you are just getting on your bike for the first time, whether you're just going out to the soccer field, whether you are just starting to skateboard, WCMX is a huge thing. Um, And you guys can Google Aaron Wheels Fotheringham to see what that kid can do in a wheelchair at a skate park. It's unbelievable. Physical activity increases self-esteem. It's good for our health. It encourages independence. It, you know, Chris talked about mental health. It's huge for your quality of life. And so the most popular grant that Challenge Athletes Foundation awards year after year is a wheelchair for basketball. Wheelchairs for rugby. That's another thing to Google is wheelchair rugby. If you haven't seen that in the Paralympics, it will blow your mind. When you are around so many people as we have been in San Diego at the finish of the million dollar challenge for the greatest day and try, where you see people missing arms and legs and all kinds of different disabilities. And all together that day, they're just normal people. They're not different at all. Um, the, My favorite story to tell is when I got involved with Challenge Athletes Foundation, my oldest nephew was very young. He was five or six. Um, He's a freshman in college now. And he, you know, Don mentioned my family, my family would always come out to these events and support. We we just have that kind of family. It's like somebody's doing something crazy. All right, we're going to go out and support. We're going to be at the start. We're going to be at the finish. We're going to super fan on the sideline. You know, we're going to dress up in ridiculous costumes and have signs and all these kinds of things. And he kept coming. Don, actually, I don't think he knew this. Just like I didn't know about the girl thing. I did the ride in 2010. I did it in 11. I did it in 12. I did it in 13. I did it in 14. In 15, I got married. I did it in 16. In 17, our son graduated from Paris Island. I mean, I was there all the time because I just could not imagine a world where someone would not be able to participate. We love riding our bikes. I mean, we love it and to have somebody not have that opportunity. So Lucas would come year after year to all these events. He's at the grocery store one day with his mom. Maybe he's maybe 10 or 11. And a guy gets out of his car and, you know, pops his wheelchair out and he points to the guy and he goes, "Look, mom. There's a challenged athlete." He does not know the word disabled. To him, everyone that he saw Was a challenge athlete, and that is the world I want to live in.
1: So, what's the reach of the Challenge Athlete Foundation? Is it across the entire nation of the United States, or is it beyond that?
0: CAF has provided grants to adults and kids in all 50 states and countries outside of the U.S. Okay, more than half of the grants that are awarded every year go to families that make less than fifty thousand dollars a year. A running leg. 10 grand. A cycling, you know, uh, um, a a wheelchair for racing, like if you're going to do any kind of running event, you see guys at the Columbus Marathon and women out in those are going to run you five or six. Even just to have a special cleat on the bottom of your cycling leg so that you can clip into your shoes, you know, is going to be several thousand dollars. It's expensive. So every year there are tons of grant applications. Uh, There's a window where people can apply. There are people who are multiple grant recipients. I have seen people who were injured and, you know, they got their first hand cycle and now they're trying to go to Tokyo to go to the Paralympics or to go to Paris, I guess, is 2024, right? And there are grants for training programs. Just like we like to ride with all our friends, Challenge Athletes puts on surf clinics, And running clinics and swim clinics and tennis clinics and where you can go and learn how to do all these things. Conjunction with Osser, they put on running clinics all over the country. And if you've ever watched somebody as an amputee, they kind of can't stand still. They kind of have this little bounce to them. We joke kind of about, you know, losing five or 10 pounds. Hey, I'm at my winter weight or I'm at my, you know, you lose five or 10 pounds as an amputee, your leg doesn't fit anymore. It's really humid outside because it just rains. It's like, well, my leg's swollen and my leg won't fit. I absolutely know that I can do hard things because of all the people that I have seen do incredibly hard things again and again and again. Through my association with the Challenge Athletes Foundation. My hope is that they will raise billions, with a B, of dollars to be able to provide grants again and again here in the U.S. and worldwide.
3: So those kits, it creates conversation, being exposed to information about, about what the, those folks, those good folks do. What we're hoping to see happen here is for this to continue to grow, fundraising to continue to accelerate, and my my personal goal is going to be a, a celebration to have on the day we are part of administering a grant to someone who lives in Ohio.
2: Every fall, I, I mentioned one of the first rides I went on uh, with these guys was uh, the our own version of the fall challenge, and we all uh, in 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 central Ohio that's kind of one of those mythical rides Columbus to Marietta and back it's two days kind of thing, and we all miss it and don and christy have kind of brought it back a little bit and also tied it into the challenge athletes foundation with a ride that they do every actually this year it was july 30th um, but a ride that they do every year out of canal winchester we actually leave from the the brew dog down there Um, and every year it gets bigger more well attended more awareness this year there were more than more than more than 70 folks showed up i think it was about 70 75 and more than half of those people were wearing Challenge Athletes Foundation kits. I think it was 45 people showed up wearing, wearing calf kits. And it's all about building that awareness and, and generating that momentum and, and building, a, building a movement in the area.
0: We want people in central Ohio, you know, there's, raising money is one thing. There are definitely some organizations, people who can write very big checks. Uh, this is true for Pelotonia as well. Um, and really any charitable organization, one of the ways that you can absolutely support an organization is to raise money to fundraise or to contribute or to connect someone that you know maybe has a passion and a bigger checkbook than you do. Um, but the other way that you can contribute is to raise awareness and simply running around with a hat that says CAF on it for somebody to go, hey, what's that? Our goal, and, and CAF has provided um, grants here in central Ohio to people just kind of before our time, as it will before we kind of got into this organization uh, level. But if if someone who knows someone who knows someone, and this was certainly true of my 10 years living in Salt Lake City, there were people who came back and were like, hey, my son's uh, friend was just in a motorcycle accident. He's going to lose his leg. Don't worry. I told him everything's fine. He's like, yeah, just cut it off and give me one of those bionic ones and I'll go right back to cycling. And and that's not something that happens necessarily because somebody wrote a big fat check. That happened because somebody was wearing a hat or a shirt or a kit, okay? Somebody knows, you know, from the James that, okay, if I get cancer, I'm not gonna die because of all the awareness that's been generated around that. Raising money and awareness are equally important so that when something happens or a, a son or daughter is born with some level of disability, whatever that is, that they know they can be an athlete forever.
1: How does CAF tie into the cycling club? Is it? Please explain, because I'm 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 eager to hear about this. Our
3: core values is is for us to support something. Our our association with the the club and with CAF that that was a little bit of an organic relationship, to be honest with you, migrated into or the cycling club, it's obvious that we need to be, be supporting the Challenge Athlete Foundation. The the club membership, to their credit, it has not been something that the advisory council has made a decision to do. It's something that has happened organically throughout the club.
0: Yeah, you're not going to find any, any formal information about it on the club's website, but let's say a, a, a new person showed up on a Tuesday or Thursday night. They would notice that a lot of people had this, this particular logo, now that we've done, you know, kits for several years. And they might ask, you know, like, what's up with this? We don't have a a requirement. You don't have to, you know, donate to the Challenge Athletes Foundation if you want to be a member of the cycling club, but that has never been the case. It's, it's an organic component. You will hear me continue to say, pedal it forward. Uh, We have an obligation and an opportunity to provide others with the wonderful experience that we have. And that's just not through CAF. I think Don mentioned some fundamental values of the challenge act or of the cycling club. And I feel very strongly that it is not about your Strava segment. It is about making sure that the last guy is is gonna make it back. It is making sure that somebody who comes out for the first time has a good time, even if they are Riding road tubeless and didn't bring a tube, right? <laughs> like we have to make sure they're okay. And I have always believed in this idea of the Goldilocks rule of cycling that as a cyclist, you should go out once a week and just get your teeth kicked in by somebody who's stronger than you. Hey, okay? the chair that's too big or the bowl of porridge, if you will. And, you know, once a week, you should go out and ride just with your group that's your perfect pace that group that's just right, that you just feel the flow. But that once a week, you need to be riding with someone who is on the path to the sport. Because somebody did that for you. And we owe it to the sport to pedal it forward in that way. To grow our organization, to grow the Cycling Club, to grow Challenge Athletes Foundation, to grow the Central Ohio community through Pelotonia or whatever that is by bringing more people into our sport, not because we can go fast and not because we can get QOMs and KOMs, but because it makes us better people. And anything we can do now to bring people together rather than apart, for me is a win.
2: And to me, the number one rule of the cycling club is that, and it's building off of what Christy said, everybody makes it back to the parking lot okay. We need to make sure that everybody gets back. So if there's a flat or if there's a, a cramp or if there's a wreck, everybody make sure we're taking care of everybody else also in terms of making it as, as accessible as possible. There's, there's no, um, to participate in the cycling club, it's free. Uh, you, to be a member, it's free. You just go to the website and you register and you, you get access, you, you send the waiver, you get access to the, um, the route. So you show up and you ride with us. It's free. Uh, you can donate if you want to, but that's not a requirement. Um, and we want to make sure that it's accessible to anybody who wants to come out and try, whether it's, you know, their first time or getting back into shape or whatever and that that is that is key for us and don also mentioned earlier uh COVID has had a a change in the dynamics of who's participating we had a huge influx of of new folks all kinds of new new riders showing up uh on borrowed bikes or old bikes or brand new bikes or whatever uh, over the last couple of years and it's been our joy to help those folks uh ignite their passion for the sport and start showing up on on newer bikes or in crazier kits or, or whatever that they've got. Um, cause that, that is, that's, that's exciting to me right there. And, and it's always, it's always good also when you have somebody show up for the first time at a club ride and say, she's only been riding for like two months and then starts dropping everybody on the big climb. So that's always good too. So getting your teeth kicked in by the new person is fun as well. <laughs>
0: Especially if she's a girl, we do like that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How has cycling changed your life? Then, besides just the riding you guys do together,
3: the easy answer there is it fitness. the 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 way you feel when you get off the bike, watching your body change as you, as you get in better shape, cycling what it is, absolutely has done for me. It has. It has demonstrated the benefits of being selfless. I haven't been that way my whole life. I get more joy on the bicycle because of the people I am around and the relationships that have cultivated as a byproduct of that than than anything else I've ever done in my life. Uh, what may be the exception of, of of some great times with family, close family. The people who I consider close friends now, the roots that have grown in those relationships are stronger than anything I've ever experienced in my life. That's a really good feeling because I'm in the middle of it right now and I'm celebrating that with you all tonight, you know. That's probably the most important piece for me. I have a profound desire to continue to grow the sport, to expose others to what we get to do. But boy, it is a special feeling to... Uh, crest a rolling hill and and uh in ohio which is not a flat state you can and see a beautiful field in 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 all of its glory or or so it's it's important to me uh but the people um that i am i I have the privilege to know and and be friends with are, are are the are the best part of it so
2: i'm gonna sort of build on that one for me yes to everything Don said and I think this is kind of a theme that's come up in a couple of times and some things that people have been saying um but for me it's it's all about mental health there's the phrase miles are my meditation this is not new Um, and everybody has it for me it's especially true um it's the opportunity to really focus in on the moment Really focus in on what you're experiencing and how you're breathing and how you're moving and how you're interacting with the environment and the things that you're doing in that exact moment. And it's to me, there's like it's not like much of anything else because there's no other place that I'm at right now where I can just seriously just focus in on the physicality of what you're doing. Um, and that really helps my mental space. Like, really helps my mental space. They're really <laughs> and I, I can see it. I can see it in other people too. um i I do the videos uh, on the Instagram, and I will be recording, and i will we will crest a hill, like Don says, and Christy will do the arms wide and like, yes, this is we are here. And or on a gravel ride, Luke went, did it the other day. Uh, we crested a hill. We came down into a valley and Luke did the arms. You can see it. And everybody's in that same headspace, too. It's like we are here right now. And that is that's like to me the most valuable thing. And if I can take that from cycling into the rest of my day, that's meaningful to me. My wife occasionally will say, don't you have a bike ride go?" going? You're kind of bugging me. Get, get your head right. <laughs> so I'll get out and go do some miles. So that's where I'm at.
0: I think in short, cycling has given me a peloton of people off the bike as well as on.
2: That was very short, Christy. (laughs) Don goes, I go, Christy's pithy.
1: (laughs) What currently gets you stoked on bicycles?
2: Uh, Cross is coming.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that. Thank Um, you.
2: Yeah, no, I, well, I, I love the group ride. Right? I love going out and doing solo stuff. And, and, and uh, Alan, when you asked me to do a little bio, talk about what I did with cycling, but I got into cross cyclocross because it just looked like a muddy blast. A lot of fun. Um, and my first Person contact, I'll give a shout out. Mike O'Shaughnessy, a friend of mine from back in the day. He's a he's an old time cross rider too. And I, I would just follow hear his stories, follow him, you know, talking about cross. I'm like, I just really wanted to do that. Um and so I'm really stoked right now that the cross season is coming and I'm hoping I can get in some races. i'm um, looking forward, looking forward to getting some cross miles in. And I'm I'm probably gonna be wearing a calf kit. Um I try to represent the calf kits when I'm racing too. So
3: there is nothing better for me, and it happened last Saturday, so so it's kinda near and dear. Is for someone to roll up next to me, um, express their pleasure with the ride that I created in the route that we're 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 riding that day. That's a that's a special moment for me. I don't know if I've ever expressed that before. When someone um, shows appreciation for the time I spent trying to put us put us in places that are interesting and and as well safe, that actually. Makes the hair on my arm stand up. I'll be honest with you. And when a new rider rolls up to me at the end of their <clears throat> whatever progression they are in their in their growth into sport, and they thank me for what I'm doing every week, those are the things that, that keep me going. To be honest with you,
2: last weekend's route was was a special one too, Donnie. That Mount Perry was that was a special one.
0: It's in the top five for sure all mm-hmm. of all time. Yeah, it was definitely in the top five. Um, I think I will add to, to Don's comment that when you see someone new, just experience that joy that we all have experienced so many times. And it's happened a bunch this year in all kinds of ways. Right? Sometimes it's a PR. Sometimes it's, you know, this is the longest I thought I'd ever ride. This is more climbing than I ever thought I did. This is I can't believe I'm on a bicycle. I haven't been on one since I was 12. But just seeing that joy that comes from the beauty of the ride. Also, red shoes. Anything red? Red shoes, red helmets, red gloves. Anything red? I'm stoked on that.
1: Well, thanks for joining me today, guys. Any last words?
0: Thank you, Alan. This was awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate the opportunity.
3: Yeah, absolutely, Alan. I don't. I'm not sure exactly how you and Christopher um, got got hooked up on. on it was this all project. crossed. It was all <laughs> crossed. But um, yep. but it's but it but this has been um. Much more of a treat than I anticipated it would be, and not, not, and my expectations were high. So, uh, thank you for what you're doing, because um, quite frankly, uh, this is a form of peddling forward as far as I am concerned. And, uh, and thanks for giving back to the sport because people who, people who love this game that we're in, they love podcasts, and I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a great example of it. So I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to some more exposure to your content. And thank you for
0: having. Alan, me. are you a baker?
1: Uh, yes, that's what the Instagram handle is. If you've discovered.
0: Yes, it. yes, I just discovered that. I was too. I was so focused on Stoked on Spokes, I didn't even see the handle. We have a whole separate conversation. We need yeah, to
1: have. You, yeah, you need yeah, to have all a right, baking so, so podcast for we'll, right, so, you and Chrissy to get on. So we'll, <laughs> we'll cut. We'll cut this short. Okay, episodes. <laughs> or thank you for joining us on this episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends about it. Check out our Patreon page for additional bonus content. And follow our Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on all the things we are working on. Until next time, just keep rolling.